This episode of The Huddle is brought to you by the Athletic Club Oakland, my go-to sports bar in the East Bay. This will be a shock to no one. I love watching sports, and I love it even more while at a sports bar. But to be honest, there was a long period of time where I just couldn't find one I really liked. I'd hit a spot that had TVs, but the food sucked ass, or a place that had good food, but they wouldn't show the game I wanted, and the inside felt dark and depressing. It was always some trade-off or sacrifice, and that's done now. The ACO is exactly what I'm looking for. They have a huge space, including an outdoor spot where they shut down an entire street and called it the town gardens. They have more than 100 televisions, which can and will show every game you ask for, and they have great food. The ACO has everything. You need to comfortably watch your favorite team in any sport at any time with passionate fans. I love it, and I'm pretty damn sure you will too. The Athletic Club Oakland, where sports fans get everything they want every day they want it. We're going to bring you on to our huddle. You are in the Warriors Huddle with me, Bram. Special episode today. So no Marcus, no Maxime, but I am fired up to announce rejoining me, Yahoo Sports NBA and NBA draft guru, an insider who personally knows and who's watched the Warriors young core since the start. My favorite guest on this show and a woman who literally just today served as one of the announcers for a Victor Wenbenyama game. Miss Kristen Peake, what's going on, KP? Happy to be here. Uh, I I love that that uh, added intro. I can't remember what you said, but it was very complimentary. <laughs> and it only took one take, so we're uh, we're off to a good start. I mean, you almost actually complimented me and then pulled it back. I thought you might work in that I didn't talk about your dating life at all, <laughs> or I mean, all the other crutches I normally use during the intro. So I mean, here we are. It's a brand new beginning. Yes, I, I know. No mention of bath salts or uh, <laughs> carbon monoxide alarms. Yeah, we're off to a great start. A yeah, great I mean, start. To be fair, I already used my carbon monoxide joke before we hit record, but I, you know, yeah. I have something uh, lined up for bath salts as we go along. But I've said it. Let's define it. Special episode and one that has me kind of nervous, KP. So we've talked about on the show that we have a Patreon channel, and it means the world to me and the people who make up that channel and their support. Again, mean the world to me. And I'm constantly looking for ways to pay him back. I don't know what the hell to do. I'm not sure how to do it. And so we came up with this idea, the Patreon row, where we came to the Patreon users, let them know, hey, you guys pick a guest, anyone you want. Once you've picked them, you can ask them any questions you want. And that day is today. Christian, they've picked you. I am so honored. I I honestly, before we went on, I was like, I, I cannot believe you guys picked me. Because I'm, uh, I mean, I'm an NBA draft analyst. I cover high school, college, and the rookies. And the Warriors. I mean, I know, I know your young core, but I thought you would want someone, I mean, a little more Warriors-ish. Nope. You are a Warrior specialist. I mean, and let's just go ahead and put my bitterness on the record now, too. Secretly, when I threw that out there to the Patreon crew, I wanted them to be like, Bram, we want to ask you questions. Not one <laughs> fucking person said that. Not one. Did not like just across the board. Nobody suggested me. Almost all of them suggested you. So they're here. They've got questions for you. And there's three of them. Let's introduce them and then get to their questions. See where this thing goes. Uh, I will start top left for people who are watching on YouTube. That's my boy, Noah. Noah, what's going on? How's it going? You're a veteran of the show. Um, people may recognize your voice from Are You Smarter Than a Bandwagon Fan. Uh, give us a reminder, man. How'd you become a Warriors fan? 
um, since birth. My dad took me by, to my first game. I think um, the starting lineup had Bernard King and World Be Free. So I've been a Warrior fan since amongst a lot, a sea of, I would say, Laker fans, including my dad. So um, that's the way I, that's the way I've been a, been a Warrior fan. And I think that was probably the second happiest day next to my wedding was when they won the championship. So <laughs> let's go. Christian, do you kind of expect the camera to pan out and Noah's wife is standing there right now making sure he said it was the second well, favorite day? I, I mean, I feel like it's a, you know, it's a deal breaker if she's not a Warriors fan. So she probably also feels like that was the second best day of her life. Am I wrong? Is, is your wife a Warriors fan? Yes, she's a Warrior fan even before I met her. So I wouldn't say she's a Warrior fan like I am, like everything that you see behind me. I have to keep in my office and not have it in the house so <laughs> that the decorations stay here. And I can also confirm that there's no guarantee that being a big Warriors fan means your spouse is. I'm a married man. I do a fucking Warriors podcast. My wife goes to the games and her favorite part is going to the store. I think she would tell you she's a Warriors store fan, um, which, you know, is what it is. At some point, we'll have Erica on here and she can explain yeah. that for herself. Uh, Amy, you've spoken up, so I'm going to go down to you. Oh, First time we've heard you on the huddle. Same question. Yeah. sense. So I know this finds you in Florida. How'd you become a Warriors fan? Well, my nephew, um, who lived in um, Carmel Valley, he's a triplet. He was about, well, he's 20 now, so this had to be maybe 10 years ago, nine years ago. He kept saying, Mimi, Mimi, you've just got to watch basketball with me. And he was a Warriors fan, a big Warriors fan. And just, you know, actually, I think it was Steph Curry's first year, maybe. It's somewhere around there. And I just watched one game and I said, yeah, I'm watching this. And I I have not missed the game since. KP, uh, you can help me with this being a twin. So if I'm a triplet, I'm coming up with right. anything that'll set me apart. You know, just something that like, I don't know, whatever it is, I decide to wear sandals with socks or I get a mohawk, something where people are looking at me. Is there a chance you think that that triplet picked the Warriors and went all the way in because his brothers didn't necessarily care? Absolutely. I never picked any of my sister's teams ever. Like I think, I think I, I have a signed basketball by Hakeem Olajuwon. I became a Rockets fan because my sister liked the Spurs. She was a Miami Dolphins fan. I was a Denver Broncos fan. Like there's always, there's always still sibling rivalry, like oh, a yeah. thousand percent. And not to mention that nephew was probably trying to get an in with Mimi, grandma. And, and it was like, Oh, that I'll, I'll introduce her to the warriors. And like, look how good it's panned out. Like that, that is like complete bragging rights for sure. Do you know how much I like that you picked another Texas team when your sister was like, yep, the Spurs you are like, Oh, I actually like Texan basketball, but not your shitty team. I'm all the way in on the Rockets. Uh, Amy, is there any, any truth to what we're guessing? The other two triplets, are they also warriors fans or are we on the money here? No, but the parents are. <laughs> <laughs> no, they're not. <laughs> See, then, then we're right. And he's and, ingratiating and KP, himself. KP, two of them go to University of Utah. What? And, and they hate it. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Have they <laughs> dated Christian? Do we know? Is there, I mean, are any of them assholes and oh, really no. terrible dating uh, tactics? <laughs> no, don't don't answer that. Don't you worry about the, uh, the answer to that question. Um <laughs> 
Amy, I'm going to ask you a question. I've been excited to ask for the better part of almost a year and a half. Uh, and so it needs a little bit of explanation beforehand. Amy not only supports us on Patreon, she has supported us out in the world in two opposing arenas. Amy has shown up with a Warriors huddle sign and, and put it up. Something that literally says Warriors huddle is the best Warriors podcast. And it is such like an incredible thing in my life. I've shown pictures of that to like my wife and other people, and they don't fucking believe me. They think that I have like photoshopped it in. So to you, Amy, where did you bring the sign to? Did anybody know what the hell you were talking about? Give me a little glimpse into that. No, but so I, I did it twice with Orlando because I live in Florida. We go to the Orlando games. I did it with Philly. We're getting ready. You guys don't know this yet, but we're, we're getting ready to go to Minneapolis um for the timberwolves game oh i think it's the first so i'm getting a new sign because the other one kind of got ruined in philadelphia but i've gotten lots of questions people asking me especially people around me and i I was putting this in our chat that i one of the ladies i met at the orlando game was sitting almost next to mama curry the other night when she was balling out those guys for uh, harassing um, Draymond. And um, so anyway, this lady I met, I met through my sign in uh, Philadelphia. I'll send you guys a picture of it on on, um, our chat. But um, so she's listening to you guys now. And I know that there are a few others who I've gotten, you know, a couple of um, um, feedback from. So I don't know how many people I'm getting for you, but I'm trying. We, if you get like half a listener, I appreciate it more than I can tell you. And uh, KP, good idea, bad idea. When Amy goes, instead of bringing a Warriors huddle sign to Minnesota, she brings a sign that thanks the Minnesota front office for giving us Steph, for play, for giving us Kaminga, for trading us Wiggins. I mean, basically building our championship core. I mean, it it feels like a uh, just a well-crafted fuck you sign that I I think would sell out there. Polite. It would be polite. (laughs) <laughs> exactly right. Susan, that leaves you. Um, and I feel like I'm talking to the Wizard of Oz. So I see your name, but there's a curtain between you and I. I, I can't see your face, which makes you feel instantly more important. Give us a sense. Uh, how'd you become a Warriors fan? Um, well, I think I can safely say I'm probably the most senior member of the Warriors huddle. Um, hey. I can uh, give you the Highlights and lowlights of my Warriors experience. The highlight was sitting uh, on the court during a Warriors-Chicago Bulls uh, playoff game. And the low life was when they finished warm-ups and Clifford Ray took off his sweat and we were downwind of that. I'm sorry to interrupt you, Susan. I think you might have been at a playoff game my father was at. Well, was that that was he was probably my date. I don't know. Yeah. And and Susan, do not yeah. let Noah distract us from talking about Clifford Ray's scent. Tell me yeah. more about that, dude. What uh, I still it's still uh I can still evoke the uh the the sweet aroma of uh his sweats. <laughs> I mean, I can tell you hook, line, and sinker. I didn't know what to expect from today's podcast, 
But if you had given me a million guesses, I never would have guessed it would be talking about the smell of Clifford Ray's sweat. So here we are, you know, and it's a uh, it's a left field thing. Here, I'll give you a quick uh, rundown of Warriors huddle questions. Question number one: Does Maxime, in fact, look like Nick Wright to you? Absolutely. Yeah, there's no question there. How about number two? Does my voice make it seem like I'm a fat person? No. No. Okay. Uh, KP, you should know that we've gotten since we've gone to YouTube, I've gotten like countless random emails all congratulating me on not being as large as my voice makes me sound. I have no idea what the hell that means. I can tell you that like, it makes me very uh, concerned, but you know, it is what it is. Our intro is behind us, which means we go to the golden questions. Um, if you have listened to this show, you know a couple of things. One golden questions, mailbag. Today we're doing it in person. There is no mailbag. I have not gotten to curate these. They're coming directly from the Patreon row to you know, I am a control freak who is in desperate need of therapy. So this is going to cost me years of my life, not knowing what's coming. We'll find out if it goes well together. Noah, why don't we start with you? What question do you got? Okay. Well, um, first off, I want to say that I am was on the bandwagon, not fully, but as you, but hoping that the Warriors weren't going to pick Wiseman and hoping to pick someone like Ball or like, Halliburton. I understand that. I understand what they were doing, what they're doing. But my question was regarding how the Warriors have this two timeline. And we get it. That's what they want to do. My concern is the second timeline. We have Jordan Poole, Kaminga, Moody, Wiseman. I'll throw in um, PBJ in there as well. How do you think they compare to the young stars that when, when they say they're on their second timeline, they're going to be going up against Luca and whomever, Ja, Bain, and Triple J, um, Brandon Ingram and Zion, Booker, Cam, and Aiton. Hell, Tatum and um, Jalen have been are in the finals. If it's just that team as a core, mind you, adding veterans and whatnot, how do they look? Do they look like a championship contender, or do they look like a team that's going to be like Minnesota? which is a bad example, but yeah. No, that's interesting. So we are assuming best case, right? All of the yes. young core develops to the best of their abilities, KP. They are now as good as they can possibly be. The older veterans are out. We can't lean on the Splash Brothers or Draymond anymore. How good is that team? Uh, you're making the playoffs, but you're barely over 500. Because I think <laughs> about the the talent that is coming up when you look at, and I mean, like, this is a, a very crazy example, but you look at the Houston Rockets, right? One of the, I think the worst team in the NBA, but they're all so young. Like if you, did you guys see the clip? I mean, there was a clip, you had Jabari Smith Jr. going up to LeBron in the last game and saying, Hey, your first game ever in the NBA was against my dad in Sacramento. I bet you feel old, old don't you? And LeBron's like, man, why you got to do me like that? But that, when I look at the Rockets and say you add a Scoot Henderson or Victor Wimbanyama to that Rockets core with the talent that they already have. And if you go, if they hit, if that, if because we're talking about full potential, right? If the Rockets potential hits and the Warriors reach their ceiling, the Rockets are going to be better than the Warriors, that young second secondary group, that secondary core. I think, you know, when it is time to not implode, but for Steph, Clay, and Draymond to move on, I think the Warriors are going to have to try to bring in 
like a blockbuster player. And uh, I don't know what that looks like. I don't know if that's a Luca. I don't know who they would go after, but um, I don't think that they would be able to have the same success rate if it was just with the young guys coming up. Yeah, I think that's the way. That's the reason why I think that going for a two timeline, it's too difficult because you still need someone that's going to replace Steph. And as great as the young kids are, all of them aren't even as good as probably mid-tier players at best right now, except for probably Pool. But that, that that's what I was that's that was the answer I was expecting and I was worried about too. <laughs> hey P, who who's number three in this draft class? Is it Boozer? So I mean when Benyama, Scoot Henderson, then number three is No, no, no. Listen, Cameron Boozer is a sophomore in high school. He, he is ridiculously talented. I I love the Boozer twins, by the way. That's neither here nor there. We will yeah. talk about them in two or three years. And you know what sucks I, about I that answer? I was trying to impress you with the boozer thing. I thought I was bringing <laughs> that up like, oh, for sure, I'm right. I'm going to show her I really know who this draft class is. And then I'm off by two fucking years. All right, take yeah. the boozer name out. Who's number three in this draft? Okay, class? right now. So it's it's so funny because there's a lot of, there's probably four different names that could happen at number three. I really like Brandon Miller out of Alabama. He just had 30 points at, at Vanderbilt last night. He's shooting close to 50% from three on seven attempts per game. He's six, nine. He's a dog. I mean, this is a team. They ran out Kentucky when Kentucky came to visit them, like embarrassed them. And at one point, Brandon turned to coach Cal on the, and the bench and said, um, mother effing him. And so he's kind of got that like dog in him. I love Brandon Miller. So it's Brandon Miller. It's Arkansas guard, Nick Smith jr. Who's currently out with a knee injury and also a men Thompson, the six, seven guard out of overtime elite. So those are some names that are sneaking into the number three spot. I should know better than to ask you this. You, I've been burnt by this question a thousand times, but I'm going to do it again anyways. All right. I'm going to give you a name. You tell me where they go in this upcoming draft. Let's start here. Kaminga. Okay. Where does he go? Six. Oh, uh, Wiseman. Where's he go? I'm very nervous about this one. 30. Five. Oh, you bastard. <laughs> and how about uh, Jordan Poole? Jordan Poole somehow finds his way into this draft. Um, you know, we've seen what he's capable of doing in the NBA, so it's kind of a cheating question. But where would he go? 16. Oh, man. He's got, um, there's this kid at, no, 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 I'm telling you, if you want to see Jordan Poole 2.0, watch some UConn play. I actually, I have the game on right now. They're playing Seton Hall. This kid, uh, what what's his last name? Jordan, it's the same name. Why can't I think of his last name? I'm looking at him right now. Uh, but he's shooting lights out and he's like Jordan Poole. Like, t- like I, I love this kid. I love this kid. Anyway, um, his name will come to me. I thought I was going to break into the top five with some of those names. I'm instead retreating this is a my very, legs. very good draft class. Say that every year. No, no, no. no. <laughs> next year, next year is complete crap. Like next year is, if there was a year that I could just like take off and take a year off and go travel the world with Gary, my dog, then I, I don't want to be like, oh, KP got a boyfriend. No, Gary is my puppy. <laughs> then it would be next year. And someone could just like fake mock drafts because next year's draft is so horrible. Any of those guys that you just said, if next year we do this podcast, you're like, where would Kaminga go in this draft class? I'd be like, one, where oh. would Jordan Poole go in this draft class? One, where you. would Kaminga or where would Wiseman go in this draft class? 35. Right, if- that makes me happy because the twenty four <laughs> the twenty four pick the Warriors goes to Memphis. <laughs> there you go. 
I just mental note, I will ask you these again and I'll just focus on in a couple of years and I won't ask you Wiseman. Uh, Amy, I, I came up short with my answers I, or with my questions. I thought for sure we'd get some positive things for, for Warriors fans, but uh, I went over, which means our hopes rest on your shoulders. What's your question? Oh, great. Okay. Well, we're going back to Kaminga. So after watching him now for in the league for a couple of years, what has he, what can he become and what does he need to do to get there? I honestly, my thing with JK is he's trying to do, he, it's like hurry up and wait with him. And we've talked about this before in the sense where he was so young coming into the league. He never went to college. He went straight to being a professional. And so to him, he thinks it's like instant gratification, right? Like he wants to be who he's going to be right this very second. And what I think he needs to learn and what he's currently learning is like, no, this is not your time. Continue to get better, continue to work on your craft, but you are not Steph, Clay, or Draymond. This is their team. You need to shine when you are in the game and you need to quietly work on your game in the shadows of everybody else. And I think that is just knowing him. I think it's very, very hard for him to accept that role, especially for so many years, he's been the guy every step, every single step in his career, he's been able to log, you know, a a generous amount of minutes per game. And he's averaged 18 and 10, um, every step of the way. So this is a, um, humbling learning experience for him. And I hope it's one of those things where it doesn't mentally get to him to where he just stops trying to get better because his, he has untapped potential for sure. How would you handle I, I really like him. Yeah, me too. Um, if you're on that staff, KP, and you know that, I mean, you know that about him, this isn't the natural thing he wants to be doing. What kind of mental maintenance would you do? Do you just check in with him every day and say, look, we still believe in you. It's just not now. Is, is there any way to help a young player through that kind of development? Absolutely. And, and also like it, it shows, it will show a lot to JK because this is a mental hurdle, yeah. right? This is, he's not doing anything wrong. He's just on a team that's very, very good and very seasoned. It's not him. It's just his situation. So if he mentally can accept that, then he'll be fine. But I think it's going to take, like you said, like a lot of positive reinforcement, um, checking in. You know, you, you have to think about these kids that are 20 years old. Like, do you remember when you were 20? I do. I was I, playing college basketball and I got pissed anytime. I got benched because yeah. I thought it was oh, yeah. me, 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 me. Now, like time that by 50 or a hundred when you're playing in the NBA and trying to understand like why you're not the guy when you have like an ego and everything, like all, all these players, like that's what makes them NBA players. You have to have some sort of ego. All of them do. I don't care if you are the best player on the team or the 12th person on like the 12th man on the bench, like, they all have this certain type of ego. Otherwise they wouldn't be in the NBA. So it's just, I think the the mental hurdle will be his toughest challenge. Do you think he is approachable in that sense? Right. I mean, so like it, two things need to happen in order for him to, to be capable of that one. They need someone on the staff. Who's kind of a whisperer who can, you know, put it into terms that he can accept. But the other side of that is he has to have a personality type where he's patient and he's willing to hear that, you know, the future is coming, but it's not now. Tell me about that second part, his personality. Is he patient that way? I think he's, he's very receptive 
to uh, different criticism, different, like anytime I would talk to him, he's not one of those kids that like rolls their eyes and smirks, like, yeah. you know, whatever, like he's very receptive to it. Now, I don't know. Cause I've, you know, when I knew him, he was at the top of his game. Like, I don't know how long he would be receptive to that sort of thing. But the fact that like, we've seen that he's just, he's accepted the role that he's been given like last year in the playoffs, when it was his time, like he played really well, you know? So we see glimpses of it, but for him, it's like, you're not getting enough minutes. Now he's out with an injury. So he's not getting enough minutes to be consistent, to build that sort of uh, confidence in his own self and his game. That makes sense to me. Susan, let's turn to you. Um, anything, floor is yours. What question do you have for either me or KP? Um, well, based on preseason uh, information, we all had high expectations for Moses Moody. And uh, that hasn't happened thus far. You know, why? But that is a, a very, I mean, I, I wish I could get inside Moses's head and tell you why. Um, you know, Moses is one of those players, we've talked about this before, you and me, Bram where he has been second fiddle to every single teammate that he's ever had in his career. And in high school, he was playing out Mount Verde University or Mount Verde Academy behind Scotty, Scotty Barnes and Kate Cunningham. Right? right. So he was second fiddle, second fiddle. Um, I think with him, it's like, it's more, I, I think he has mental lapses in his game and the way he approaches the game. And I think that might be catching up to him. And just the fact where it's like, you know, you're on a team with seasoned veterans and you don't expect to play a lot of minutes in any game. And that can sort of wear on your just love for the game, your, you know, your approach to practice every day, to uh, warmups every day. Like you have to really, when it's an 82 game series, you have to really like dig in mentally. And when you're already not getting consistent minutes, I mean, like the last two games he played, five minutes. He played six minutes. He had an okay game in that game at the Alamo dome against San Antonio where, you know, he had 12 points yep. and yep. was two for five from three. But, um, for him, it's like he, to me, when he was uh, a high school prospect was never a player that I would call consistent. Yep. And so I don't know if him, if it's just settling for what, what his role is right now. And he's not looking to push any further than what he's being asked to do right now with very limited minutes. But um, it is, I know as, as Warriors fans, it's probably frustrating to see, but his track record and I love Moses. I love, I love, I love his family. I love him as a kid and a player. And he even said to me on draft night, um, I said, you finally made it. And he said, we're here um, where we made it, but we're not making it yet. So I know he has that in him where he, he knows he has to work every single day for a spot on the roster, but it's hard when you're not getting a lot of playing time and not consistently doing what people think that you were going to do potentially. Well, and this is a weird way to phrase it, but sometimes there's downsides to upsides, right? So right. upside, uh, Kerr has found two two-way players who he trusts. We're seeing a ton of time going to Ty Jerome and to Anthony Lamb. The downside on that 
is it's taking minutes away from the youngsters. Specifically, we're seeing that with Moody. Um, and I don't, we would need to like sit down and have drinks with Kerr. Like, no, he doesn't have to be hammered, but like drunk enough where he's comfortable just explaining something. Something must have happened with Moses. Something in, in practice, some some film room revelation, something that's made him go away from that development. And it's a little weird and frustrating, but it is what it is. You know, and the, and the other side we're seeing is Ty Jerome and, and Anthony Lamb. Uh, back to you, Noah. You got a second one for us? Oh, yeah. Well, to the Moses Moody point, I also think that the reason why he doesn't play as much is he's in a position where he can't get middens. He's a wing, and he's behind Curry, Thompson, Wiggins, Wiggins, DiVincenzo. And, like, if you're saying Lamb's taking minutes away from him, he can't play a four. So that's that's kind of like the catch-22. So whatever minutes he gets, he has to be absolutely perfect or Kerr might go away from him. Um, the question I have for you is you're around a lot of these um, up and coming players and um, just seeing how they develop, you've seen all that. How is that different from when we saw like Curry going, get going up or even LeBron? Like it just seems like all of a sudden the focus is all on that. I think there was a tweet by, um, or, or a, podcast, a podcast by, um, by Austin Rivers. I'll say Austin everything. Rivers, did you see Kyle Kuzma's tweet? No. Uh, yeah, I think it was about the the highlights about it or something like yeah. that. Yeah, yeah. He said it's ruining basketball. Yeah. Oh. So I remember back in back a long time ago when we would see those when YouTube was in its infancy about those mixtapes. Mm-hmm. Do you think that's do you do you think that has changed um, how younger players develop now? I, I've seen all the AU how they they have a lot more offered to them to to develop themselves. But do you think they're more inclined to the highlights than to actually developing their game? Absolutely. Absolutely. It's the the social media culture mm. of these talented players coming up has been like poison. And I say that um, just in like, okay, for instance, it's not poison to Cameron Boozer or to DJ Wagner, who's the top senior in the class, because they have already solidified themselves as a top prospect. And it's more so of like, this is what I did. I had a cool 18 and 12, no problem. But to the 80% of other young players that are coming up, it's absolutely crazy to me to see, you know, like someone, there was a player, I won't, I won't name the name publicly, but I will tell you guys when we get off that uh, has a, has like million ish, maybe 2 million people following him um, on Instagram. And when he was a high school prospect, I saw a highlight reel and it was from this, you know, organization. And so I text, I was like, how many games did it take to shoot this player to get 50 seconds of a highlight reel? And they said, not even kidding you, it was 12 games. But all you see on Instagram is shot, shot, shot after shot, three-pointer, dunk, you know, just quick, quick, you know, you're taking in uh, everything. And it's, it's, it's like poison because then you get to college. And I say this with like love for the players that uh, either got invited to like McDonald's, Jordan brand, um, hoop summit. There are a couple of players that were considered top of their class last year that aren't even draft contenders now. Hmm. Like it's a very humbling thing, but 
it's because again, we go back to like the Kaminga thing. It's like, they've been told their entire career. You're the one you're great. You're great. You're great. You're great. And then when they have this a massive Instagram following, I mean, we've seen it like even with Mikey Williams, like Mikey stopped growing in 10th grade, but he was the number one eighth grader in the country when he shot into fame and had, and was playing with Bronny. LeBron was coming to his game. Like he signed this massive Puma contract. And now he's just, you know, an okay basketball player that's going to the university of Memphis. That that, made- that sounds weird to me. He was the number one eighth grader in, in the nation. It's like, does that make you all of a sudden like the, the greatest um, prospect coming out? I think, I think that just that, that right there is, is pretty um crazy to me. It is. It is crazy. And like, I have people that DM me all the time. They're like, uh, check out, check out my, my film. I'm class of 2028. And I'm like, you are in fifth grade. I'm not going to watch your film. I'm sorry. <laughs> like, this is, what are we doing here? I make it a point to, I will never, I won't look at a prospect. I won't get to know them unless they are current freshmen, sophomores in high school. Why? What is it about that age line? What What happens and- at that point? Because that way, I mean, you're to that point, you could possibly be if you're if you're a freshman or sophomore, you are five years away from potentially being an NBA player. Yeah. And the amount of growth that you can make as a player, like by the time you're a freshman or sophomore, I mean, you're if you're a top player, you're already getting invited to USA basketball mini camps where NBA scouts are already there. If you are already six, eight with a seven, three wingspan, we can kind of project what kind of prospect you're going to be throughout your high school and potential pro career. You know, the NBA is getting younger and younger and younger. And so with that, I mean, you have to, you have to set the bar at some point. And for me, I just, I can't, I can't go into the middle school. It's like high school is where I, uh, okay. If you are currently in high school, I will come watch you play. I don't know if you knew this, but Cam Boozer is actually a sophomore. A lot of people think he's in this draft class. He is not. He's, oh, uh, yeah, he's, he's much younger. I just, just want to, I mean, just for those who may not have known it, um, what's the youngest you have heard a prospect's name and then the prospect turned out? You know, not not just anybody you've heard, but somebody you heard, you know, kind of kept in the back of your mind and then they ended up making it in the NBA. Lamello. I knew Lamello when uh, he was running around with a pink headband on and uh, a wristband when Lonzo was a freshman and he was getting buckets then Uh, like, and he was this big, like he was not big at all. Um, And he even like, when he was in eighth grade, he reclassified to be a freshman. So him, Jello, Leangelo and, um, and Lonzo could all play on the same Chino Hills team. This is your third, by my count, inadvertent fuck you to James Wiseman. I mean, I know you didn't say Wiseman in there at all, but I mean, I heard 35 twice and then LaMelo. So it is what it is here. I'll give you uh, another question I had. So between, I'm going to throw Baldwin in here. Between Kaminga, Baldwin, Wiseman, and Moody, who do you think has the highest ceiling in the NBA? Kaminga. I would go Kaminga, Pat, um, Moses. James. Yeah. Um, we've explored Kaminga a ton. Tell me more about Baldwin. Why? What is it about PBJ that you think could lead to a pretty successful career? If he stays healthy, that's the thing. Like Pat has been riddled with injuries throughout his entire career. So that's always just kind of like, a, like you just pause. 
But look at him. He screams professional in every aspect. He passes the eye test with his 6'9 size. He has a beautiful jump shot. He yeah. comes from a, a basketball background. He uh, he has a high IQ. Like to me, there's certain things that you can coach and there's certain things that you are born with. And Pat Baldwin was born to be a basketball player. And if he just, I, I don't know, if he if he stays healthy and like can reach his full potential, he's not by any me by any stretch is he going to be like the star on any NBA team? But he's going to have a long career. Because of the high release on his jump shot, if he can get consistent from a deep range in the pick and pop, especially like he can be a three and D guy. I I think in a small ball lineup, he can drop down and guard the four with his size. Yeah. Um, but I mean, he, he just has a pedigree for an NBA future. You can feel that pedigree when he takes a floor. He's got patience that I don't associate with a young player. You know, a lot of you see someone like Ryan Rollins come in who I like as well. But he's trying to do everything right now. Right. You know, he's trying to contribute in every every portion of the game in a single play. And because of that, he's rushing and and is making the kind of mistakes that we think young players make. PBJ makes mistakes, but not in that way. He misses shots, but they're not forced or rushed. He lets the game come to him. It's the kind of thing I imagine you pick up when your father's a coach, you know, and you've watched the game your entire life. Uh, I've got a pseudo non-basketball related question I'm going to end us on. But before I get to that, before I throw it out to you guys, Susan, Amy, any other questions you'd like to fire off? I have one more question. KP, do you ever get involved with the NBA teams? Do they ever come to you? Do you go to them? Do you, and if so, in what capacity? Yeah, I would say I probably have a relationship with all 30 teams on um, just the scouting side and especially for draft stuff. I mean, we'll have conversations um, throughout the season just on different players that are coming up. I mean, I was just at this event in Hoopa or in, in uh, Western Massachusetts. It was the Hoopal Classic and there were several NBA guys there. So we're all on the road together. Um, we all have, you know, great relationships and we're in this crazy basketball world. I mean, it's it's funny because like the me, me and the scouts are closer than like me and like the executives or I mean, I, I barely talk to any head coaches, um, but it's 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 this weird world that we're all in where they're on the road almost for three games every week, college games, overseas, um, wherever there's some sort of prospect. And then when draft night comes, it's not even up to them. It's like they they put in all their information that they can. can. They might have an opinion either way, just like on draft night. I put a tweet out there saying after the Clay Thompson injury that they should really take a hard look at LaMelo Ball. Again. But at the end of the day, it's not up to me. It's it's not up to me. It's not up to the scouting team. It's up to, you know, the people that get paid the big bucks and the the GMs and the assistant GMs to make that decision. But yeah, we, I mean, I have a relationship with every team. How hard do you take it? So I, I, I have the benefit of being a friend with you off the air. I know that you're a competitive person. And if it's me, if someone's asked for my advice and it's a scout and I tell them, you know, whatever, yes, don't draft Wiseman, draft LaMelo. And then it doesn't happen internally i never say it but internally i'm pissy you know fuck you i gave you guys advice and you didn't follow it on those times when you've told a team this is who i think you should pick and then they don't follow that advice is it just part of the show or do you take it kind of personally are you a little pissy about it at draft i mean on draft night like here's the thing like 
I I want all these kids to be successful. Yeah. You know this. So like I'm not I'm not malicious about. It. I'm not like oh you guys took James Wiseman. I hope he's terrible. Ugh. Like I want still to this day. Like I want Wiseman to turn the corner. I want the best for these kids. So there's never ever like any like ill you know thoughts in my head. Like oh I can't believe they didn't listen to me. Like me one person. Like there no one's paying me for my opinion. But if they ask me, I'm going to give it to them. Um, one last basketball related question before I get to mine. Have you broken anyone's ankles recently? Any, I mean, like just taking them down, had to drive anyone to an emergency room, anything like that? No, but my brother did tell me he played pickup. He's 41. He played pickup for the last time. And he actually like, what's the common foot injury you get in basketball? Like plantar fasciitis. Yeah. That's yeah, what it is. So he's like, I'm done. I'm done. And I was like, oh. that That ended my career too. Not that I had one, but. Have you heard anything from the uh, marathon running athlete whose career you completely ended or no? No, but I did think I thought about him when I went to Hawaii. Remember I told you I went to Hawaii and like I went on, I went on like three dates there and they were better than any date I've ever been on in Utah. But like, as I was like hiking with this one dude and someone, my mom said to me, she's like, hiking how can you go hiking on a date with a stranger what if he like pushes you off a cliff i'm like easy mom this isn't dateline like (laughs) like it's fine but this dude i don't know if i gave you this little nugget of information about how crazy athletic this dude was he swam around the entire big island of hawaii sorry gary's thinks he sees someone um on the date he swam around on the date, he was like, "Hold on, give me a second. No, 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 not my date. Not my date. <laughs> not my date. The guy that I broke his ankle. Oh yeah, yeah. okay, yeah. Oh, I I do remember that. And I I had, if I was that person and I'm sitting in a hospital bed and you've taken me there, you know, you've not only driven me there but you forced me to be in the hospital bed with a basketball move. I would tell you I swam the entire fucking Atlantic Ocean. I would like <laughs> whatever it is I needed to do to get back to a place where I wasn't the victim. <laughs> that's exactly what I would do. It just is what it is." Um, all right. Transition. So I love watching the warrior games, as you guys know, and it's not just for pleasure. Now I got to, so that we can talk about them on these, uh, on these podcasts. And we go back to the Alamo game, the San Antonio game. It wasn't in particularly like, you know, super important game for the warriors, but bright lights They're in front of 61,000 people. And I needed to watch it. And I got invited to a friend's house and told him, you know, this is important that I watch the game. And he let me know I've got YouTube, we're going to watch it on there, but it'll be no problem. So go over, watch the first half, no problem at all. Pause it, and we go outside for a little bit to to drink a beer and just kind of catch up. We come back inside, supposedly to watch it, and the fucking taping didn't work, and I couldn't watch any of the second half. You know, I had to to go home and ultimately just watch highlights. All right, so if you're me, it's a good friend. I've known the guy since high school, known him for a long time. If you're me, you come in here and that's what's going down. He tries to get it to start, but ultimately can't. And now we just pick up the game about halfway through the fourth quarter. What do you do? What's the move? Do I just watch it and say nothing? You know, do I let him know this is unacceptable and leave and try to catch it at the house? Like I, I have been sitting on this now for a little while. I need some advice. How would you have handled it? Okay. Well, I remember the last time I was on, you said that the loss to the Utah Jazz was the worst regular season loss in the history of the Warriors. So I understand that in your mind, like on a scale of one to 10, this was probably a 10 to you. Oh, yeah. In my mind, I'm like, 
what's the big deal? The Spurs have literally the worst defense in the NBA. They're actively trying to tank for Wembenyama. What do I care if I miss the third quarter and half the fourth quarter of this game? Like, Steph's not playing. Who cares? That's how I would react. But I understand coming from your head, Bram, that this is probably a big deal. But That's you're also a nice enough guy that you're probably like, Oh, no worries. Yeah. Okay. What do you I'll think catch, I did? I'll catch the highlights at home. So you did a much less turn into judgment theater. You've handled this question much better than I originally posed it. What do you think I did? That's exactly right. And I'll give you a number one to 10, 15. I was yeah. at a 15 as it happened. So what's your guess? Think I, I politely handled it, but it was screaming in, internally. Yes. <laughs> Amy, what did you do? Well, I'll oh, tell no. you in a go, second. Go down, Amy, go, what's your guess? Panel, panel. I think he said something. I think you let your emotions show. I don't think you broke a wall with a phone, but I'm pretty sure. <laughs> Too soon, Amy. Place. You bastard. Uh, <laughs> any other guesses? I think you were. I think you were what um, what uh, KP said, but I think you were really sweating. I think that, <laughs> that that's your bit. You were sweating. <laughs> I'm sweating now. I mean, that, that's like saying I bet you continued to wear a shirt. Like, I, you know, I yeah, I said, I definitely. Have. I think I said this on. I think I said this on a YouTube chat. Um, on one of the YouTube chats. So why are you wondering why people think it's the sweating part? Because I sweat a lot and I'm big. So there's that. <laughs> I appreciate it. There you go. It could be <laughs> Susan. What's your guess? You think I handled it with grace or ended a friendship? Uh, I agree with KP. I... The answer is. You are right. Both you and KP are right. So came inside, was furious that it wasn't working, but immediately started tap dancing to not show that fury. You know, it's just like, oh, I'm sure it's okay. I think I've taped it. But inside I was thinking, I'm never fucking coming here again. I hate you for having bullshit cable. And why would you invite me over if you can't guarantee to be able to show the game? And I happen to know that that person listens to this podcast. So this is my passive aggressive version of letting them know. <laughs> Jeremy, I was not okay with that, dude. I'm never coming back. It is what it is. We're still friends, but our basketball watching future is over. I mean, I don't I don't know what else to say. I got two words for you, uh, Bram. YouTube TV. You can watch it on your phone. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Well, I can tell you where I can't watch YouTube TV in my uh, boy Jeremy's living room. Apparently, it just does not work there. Oh, wow. In okay. Any way, shape, or form, KP, your patience, your professionalism, just the entire thing, we really appreciate. I wasn't sure how this was going to go, and it went phenomenally. Um, so people who need far more KP in their life, where do they go? You can follow me on Twitter, Instagram, at Kristen Peak, or read all my stuff on Yahoo Sports. I just wrote about... Uh, a potential landing spot for Bronny James next year, which uh, apparently people are really, really care about. So you saying that as if I don't have three or four Bronny James questions on my sheet right here, but the Patreon people came through. We didn't need any of my questions <laughs> for me. The only thing I will throw out there is that if you would like to be a part of the Patreon crew, if you want to support us and maybe more importantly for you, join the podcast occasionally fire off questions to people like KP. It's super easy Hop up on Patreon, P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com. Look up Warriors Huddle, and you can help us out for as little as a dollar a month. And in, you will come with that in mind. Go Warriors, and hopefully, see you real soon.
Good, good. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet, place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotion, promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. And it works everywhere I write. Summarizing a doc only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done.